Hot Hotties gives you back on the Billboard Hot 100. Having trouble coming up with music for your debut in time, the Hot Hotties can score it to Danny Miller. Need a theme song for your podcast? Call the Podcast. Lost in the soundtrack by the Podcast. Now streaming everywhere. May cause complete convulsions and erectile dysfunction. I'm the Poptimist, and I approve this message. Please reach out to me at thepoptimistpodcast at gmail.com for any inquiries into producing, session work, or co-writes. Chopper John, your eye in the sky. It's 5 o'clock. You've guessed it. You're fucked for a good 45 minutes before you can finally load up your weed and smoke, especially heading westbound on I-40 towards Bellevue. We have an overturned semi of elf bars, and people are looting, so that's caused quite a bit of backup through there. Southeast of town in Laverne, watch for police folks are patrolling speed, and they're literally fucking people and having a gangbang along I-24, and that's caused at least an hour delay I-24 eastbound, so be on the lookout for that. And also, uh, if you're heading to Hermitage, you're completely fine because no one wants to live there. You're listening to the Poptivist. This is Chopper John, your eye in the sky.
fresh is it? It's like brand new. <laughs> yeah. ASMR hitting that thing, dude. <laughs> this is the podcast. <laughs> Dustin hitting a thing that's not his. Surprise, surprise. You can't hear it in the sound file. It sounds like it's mine. By the way, I got uh, that old watermelon ice that's yours now. Oh, gosh. You're doomed. Thank you, sir. I'm torn between wanting to never hit one again, but like being super down to take all your old things that you don't want anymore. It's a tough. My graveyard things. It's a tough duality. <laughs> Dude, I want to quit hitting the thing so bad. I'm so addicted. Dude, to it. it sucks because it's like it's not that bad. <clears throat> it's bad over like three years. Then you're fucked. Yeah. It's just, it's easily addictive. Every one tiny little hit is, like, not yeah. that bad. That's right. what's evil about it. No, for sure. Because you, the can, notion you of can go quitting. some time without it, and then yeah. once you do it that one other time, you're like, what's The notion of quitting it? entirely is, like, that's yeah, kind of stupid. That's okay if yeah. I hit it every now and then. Let's not do it all the time. I just have so many friends that are like, hey, you want my fucking thing? And it's like... <laughs> Justin, I, I that guess. is not the fucking... I swear, you're that not is the only part one. Of the that's part of the truth. But you also asked, you know why I people... I to hit it, because they know I want it. That's fine. I yeah. It. I just have a lot of friends that are too supportive. That's all it is. Oh, yeah, that's the problem. Yes, dude. I got good friends. Everybody else is the problem, Dust. Yeah. The <laughs> oh, Today man. we have... Dustin McKee and Josh Norfleet of the reveal. What up, dude? Whoa, buddy! You guys got that new EP out? Yeah, coming out. Well, it's already out now. Well, it's um, out. Oh, uh, is it coming out? When's this episode come out? It's coming out Monday. Oh, okay, it's out now. It just came out mm. <laughs> two, two, three days ago, I guess. No, so it's out. Uh, it's a different blend of what you would expect from us, definitely. How so? Uh, probably with in every way, every possible. way, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> just uh, especially with the instrumentation, like it's uh, more uh, acoustic. There's a lot of uh, like bluegrass themes in it. There's like fiddles, banjos. And there was a lot of controversy over whether we should release it under the band name or find another alias because it's so different. And we finally just decided, which for now. We'll put it out under the reveal, and if we continue to do more music like this, we'll discuss, you know, later on what we want to do with it. But right, because my cousin Tristan Norfleet, who it was involved, and uh, it was kind of like it was to a point when our drum old drummer Kirk went back to Kokomo. It was kind of during COVID. We had nothing to do. We still got booked. Yeah, and and we, we didn't have shows. a drummer, so it was like, well, let's play it acoustic. But we didn't want to just do it with me and Josh. So we brought Tristan, because Tristan at the time was living with us. So Tristan being a, a mandolin player, we had Josh play acoustic. And then anytime I could play an upright bass, we would do that. And we would kind of, we, we remorphed all the rock songs that we had. All the ones that we were able to, uh, we revamped them into, I don't know if you'd call it a bluegrassy, folk, Americana, whatever. Uh, we kind of revamped the entire thing almost to, to become a, a different band with the same 
lyrics and some of the same melodies but overall there, there's a lot of feel changes in the songs too well it, there's uh hip-hop drums on them too yeah yeah it's uh i mean overall the sound is like if you if you took bluegrass instrumentation and mixed it with hip-hop production the concept is the modern outlaw uh Outlaw country music back in its day was seen as, you know, kind of how we see gangster rap at this point. Um, so the idea is what if we what if we combine the old school outlaw country elements to the modern hip hop production and combine the two to create like the the modern identity of what a musical outlaw and, and it's also very outlaw to put bluegrass and hip hop like in the same song. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So how did uh, Tristan got involved because you were doing those shows? Because mm-hmm. Kirk moved back to uh, to Kokomo and you needed someone. Uh, you were still trying to make money mm-hmm. during COVID. Yeah, it was just like we still had some opportunities, and even after the fact, uh, we had shows uh, booked that we needed to, you know, go do. And since Tristan was living with us, we said, Hey, you know, we jam here all the, all the time together. You know, our songs, how about we just try it, you know? Yeah. And then it ended up being, you know, cool enough to, we were like, all right, well, you know, since we did this, let's go into the studio and record a couple things. And then after that, we kind of heard the final product and we're like, well, shit, this ended up being a lot cooler right? than, than we originally planned. So now it's like, okay, well, let's release it. But then, you know, it came to this question of, like, is this the reveal? Because the reveal is a three-piece rock band. So, but the thing is, is is the music was me and Josh and Tristan, uh, which is two-thirds of the reveal plus plus Tristan. So it's like, you know. A different you, flavor. Yeah, it's a different flavor, but technically the same band lineup. I like to compare it to... Um, like Wolfpack has the, the, is it the Fearless Flyers? Yeah, the Fearless Flyers. Yeah, it's like the same band, a couple member changes, different style of music, but it, it's all sort of under the same roof, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of the idea. Um, it actually started off as just me and Josh and, and Tristan just all, because we moved here to Nashville together from Kokomo on the same weekend. So naturally just knowing each other for fun we would jam and and you know over the years it's it's probably become like you know five to ten to even 15 like potential songs that now at this point it's a question of you know Tristan's busy doing his thing we're busy doing the reveal but we see each other all the time Josh and Tristan are related so it's like we're probably always going to have this means of of an outlet but it's really, you know, how much are we really going to focus on it? Is it going to be a side project? I would imagine it's probably just going to remain, you know, a side project that we come back to every now and then. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but right now, you know, we're dropping the EP and we're kind of just holding on, putting content out until the album's done. Because we're working on a full-length rock album right now, too. So we just want to stay busy and, and keep the, the algorithm pleased, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I really uh, dig this the new EP as well as um, all the songs you guys have been working on. You have shown me some of the tracks um, that you're working on for the album, and uh, they're sounding fucking good as fuck. Thank you, dude. It, it's sick. I mean, I think the, the EP, what I really love about it is I, I feel like 
in some ways it's you guys at your most natural yeah yeah you know what i mean for sure um it it is like hanging just hanging out with you guys like that's the impression that i get right from the music that's what it makes me think of it's like when all of us are just kind of chilling here or we're just out and doing shit you know what it's like to to hang with the fucking gang Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was kind of a portal into our like personal and like family lives because obviously with josh and tristan being cousins and then we all grew up together and went to school together uh we found out after knowing each other for a few years that josh's dad tristan's dad and, and my dad all used to jam before we were even born um so you know this is kind of a glimpse into just like who we are as people in the band a little bit less of this is what the reveal is, uh, but this is more of like a behind the scenes kind of vibe of like seeing our family roots and what we do when we're not full. You know, it's like the reveal is our job, and then we go home and we all do our own other thing. But this is kind of who we who we are, who we were, who we were growing up, how we know each other. You know, because they grew up in a bluegrass band together. And then, of course, Josh, being a rock musician, he's kind of gotten away from that. But we all have skills in that market that are, for the most part, untapped. And this is our outlet for that style, you know. Yeah, I uh, I really uh, enjoy it. And you, uh, since this is going out in the future, I mean, it doesn't really make sense to, to promote it right now. But you guys have the show at D's. Have you played at D's before? Or will this be your first time? Yeah, we've played it. Yeah, we've okay. played it as like a full electric rock band, though. Okay. Which I think we might be doing that as well. I, we're, we're definitely gonna do like the first hour, um, acoustic with with the, the the mandolin and the acoustic and the upright bass and stuff. But I think at the end we might go back and do a couple songs. It's like a, a, the three piece like electric thing. How long is the set? An hour and a half, eight to nine thirty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. That's badass. <laughs> Um, yeah, you guys have been playing down on fucking Broadway too, burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been weird. It's been about a year now since we started. I think we started Broadway in, in March or April. I think it was April, I think. And yeah, we, we, we kind of have just been focusing on saving up for this new album and, uh, we're, we're kind of withdrawing ourselves and we want to come back really strong. So we haven't really been playing a lot of original. We haven't been playing any original gigs. Possum Stock was the last original gig that we played. This is the first one since and it's not even our regular outfit. It's it's this like we're right. we're kind of marketing it as an alter ego um, because if it moves forward, it's this idea that we could open up for ourselves. We could bring Tristan up, bring whatever guest, you know, get a banjo player, fiddle player, whatever, have an acoustic rendition of a show open up for our electric band uh which could be a potential tour or something like that uh just you know essentially potentially making twice the income if we're both bands the opener and the headliner you know uh just a concept that we've talked about nice hell yeah well it's it's a different idea i uh i really admire the uh the pursuit um and i know you guys have kind of been like taking it back to the Broadway thing, you've been doing that in order to save up money to record your fucking <clears throat> album. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's been a process. I no, mean, you guys totally. have been been playing and been updating me. Yo, we got a recording session yeah. here. Yeah. We're doing we're working with this person. What what was the original 
thought behind that? Was that intentional to start playing on Broadway to do that? Or were you guys just so unsatisfied with working? Kind of both. A little bit of both. Because, yeah, we it came to a point where if we realized if we all just quit our day jobs and played Broadway, we would all have the same schedule. So it was able to do other things. So anytime that we couldn't play on Broadway, we could meet for to do a studio session or do whatever, you know, do a podcast, do, you know, whatever we had to go do. Because before that, it was like, hey, you know, this producer wants to work next Wednesday. We would have to all talk like, hey, are we all available next Wednesday? Now it's literally... We're all available at the same time. We all have the same job now. So for the most part, there's almost no question. Yes, if one of us is available next Wednesday, we're probably all available next Wednesday. The chances of us being all available is is likely. Way way more likely than before. Uh, But yeah, I mean, we take a substantial amount of it, put it back into the band fund, and we've pretty much paid for everything ourselves. I think our goal is to just own our own music um, and pitch that to you know whatever distribution or, or label or marketing or, or whatever whoever we choose to work with on, on a, an expansion as a team already having our music done and owning our own music but having executed it through the lenses of all major label producers as if we did get a record deal without owing somebody thousands of dollars yeah and and, and them owning all of our stuff so is the idea behind that to where have it all done and then shop it yeah okay Mm -hmm. yeah nice hell yeah i'm just excited to put the songs out because a lot of the songs are songs we've been playing for a long time too long yeah Yeah. and but also at the same time since recording and we've changed so much stuff yeah that it's like it's a whole new song yeah oh yeah absolutely like i said we haven't played any original gigs because all of these songs after going into the studio and working with all these producers, we've really learned a lot about redefining hooks um, and, and structure and arrangement to make this song a little easier to digest um, and a little easier to c- kind of captivate people. We're learning a lot about playing hits and stuff by playing on Broadway. So we're trying to really educate ourselves and take these songs. As far as I'm concerned, we've been playing some of these songs for like three years, five years now. I don't really give a shit. Like, let's rewrite it. I'm over it. You know what I mean? But now that we've done that, we basically have to relearn all nine songs because they've all changed. Um, And we're working on new levels of production. You know, Ian's got some new tricks and gadgets. Josh is working on some new... Uh, secret weapons and I myself have, have been working on a couple things and we're trying to when we come back we don't want to be three dudes on stage with guitar bass and drums it needs to be I want people to feel like they're going in to see a, a movie or wa- watching a play or you know a next level theatrical production well you guys have certainly been logging the hours I mean yeah. I think that's the um I know you aren't always the biggest fans of like playing on Broadway. I've talked to to both of you on different occasions where you're just burned out. Yeah, it's just sometimes just the it's very monotonous. It's very much so um, the same songs, um, the same type of people that you're kind of playing to. Uh, What do you mean by that? As Uh, far as type of people? Well, I mean, it does kind of vary. Like some people are like can be very respectful of like what we do and some people can just be like you know super hammered and 
not give a shit and like demand that we do stuff and just like kind of treat us like shit. Some people know? want music that sound like they'll hear us play and they'll be like, you know what? You guys kind of remind me of the Chili Peppers or Jack White or Raging Against the Machine or can you play some Black Sabbath? And it's like, okay, they're listening. And then there's some people, we'll, dude, we'll play all the bands I just mentioned. We'll play Cage the Elephant. We'll play The Doors. We'll play 20 rock songs in a row and then some old white ladies like, do you guys know any Sheryl Crow? <laughs> and it's like, why the fuck do you think we would know Sheryl right. Crow? What the Read hell's the matter with you? Read the room. <laughs> and, or more like, they're like, do you know Morgan Wall? And I was like, sweetheart. Well, there was that one time, I can't remember what it was, but you guys were playing what song it was. I, It might have been Chris Stapleton or some shit like that, but that girl came up to you and was like, will you play this song? And she pulled it up and was like holding it on her phone so you could play it. It was just you singing and playing, Josh. Do you remember that? It was the night I came out to see you guys. Yes. And then she like would move her phone away. And yeah, I'm be which like, she was dancing. And yeah. Shit and and I'm like, well, I can't read the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. That where it's like, this is annoying. This is, this is not what I want to do. I think there's a lot of perks to it, and th there's a lot of really good things about playing on Broadway, but overall, there's something that is slowly crushing your soul that as it's happening, you don't realize it's happening. And then you look back, and all of a sudden, you're just like... And almost associate... You know, most of the time, as, as an artist, you get on stage, and there's a, there's a very freeing feeling of almost being on a vacation and your brain recognizes being on stage and performing is this liberating art that you can do and after playing Broadway for so long you start to associate every time you get on a stage you're going to work in a factory and it starts to feel like that and bleed over and I mean like you're clocking in for a shift yeah yeah, yeah. And, and I've even looked around at some of the, the the homies that are in bands around here and it's like I've seen since they started Broadway that even when they get an original gig I can feel that their soul is like slightly depleted you, you know get, what you I mean you can smell smell it a little bit on they're, certain yeah. they're well, not everybody yeah. yeah and I think it I think it does it doesn't have to like I don't want to be like pessimistic and you know, I think most people know. Most people, if you talk to a, a Broadway performer, especially an original band that also plays on Broadway, I don't think anyone really, really loves it. Right. There's definitely people that will, they don't have original bands, and they're like, you know, let's put together a really sick Broadway band and play parties and frats, and let's go around the nation and, and play all these big, big party shows, and I'm sure they're having a blast because it's their primary goal. Right, but for us, it's like we need money. This is this is our day job because that's the thing. It that's the pro of it. It's we can play music and also make money. Yeah, and which is the dream? Which is the dream when you really like break it down, and we uh, also get to play with each other all the time, which yeah. increases yeah. like how we play. We did this uh, like a, a recording session with like the uh, the Blackbird Academy. And uh, I remember the one of the engineers said that he was like, "Oh, you guys are so tight. If we were fa if we were faster, we could record like six songs." You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Uh, which room did you guys record in at Blackbird? I want to say it was Studio A. Nice. It that, was the 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 big one with the window up on top. Yeah, that you can look down S on Studio A. That's uh the fucking Chris Stapleton recorded in there. Mm -hmm. John Mayer recorded in there. 
um, the Killers, and I mean countless others. That board was owned by uh, Donald Fagan from Steely That's Dan. Dope. Wow. Uh, Multi Ultra, the homies, did their whole, all the singles that they're putting out right now. Um, I, re- I track drums in that studio with him as well. Nice. So, yeah, it was cool coming back and being in the exact same studio, kind of having a little bit of experience before. So. Yeah. I've recorded at Blackbird probably three or four times now. Nice. Both as a session player and as like a uh, for my music. Yeah. And um Blackbird is like top of the line, nicest studio you could ever be in. It, it's like the yeah. perfect place for musicians. Well, one of our producers the other day just told us that it's one of the nicest studios in the world. Yeah. I believe apparently. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've been lucky enough to record there for free mul- right. well, well, me multiple times, yeah. you guys mm-hmm. and you Dustin yeah. multiple times. Yeah. It's a it's a, a great experience. I think that's one of the good things about living here, uh, is you get you just get random opportunities like that where you get right. to record. That is true, because yeah. it's. I remember I read something from uh, Sturgill Simpson, where he said he told everybody he said don't move to Nashville. Yeah, just get in a van and go play places. And it made me think. I was like, he is right. But also at the same time, there's a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have had if I didn't move to Nashville. I agree with that. Uh, but I also agree with Sturgill. Theory, I, theory. What if he? What if he's just looking out for Nashville? He doesn't want people to move. He, <laughs> yeah. he just he just knows that it's getting annoying, yeah. and he's like, "What if we just keep it chill and right. and not encourage a bunch of people come. to move here?" Well. The longer that I'm in Nashville, the more I understand why Sturgill said that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because <laughs> you can get burned out, man. I mean, even even for me, um, I just got super burned out. Of course, I had the other shit going on last year, but I, I haven't played a gig in over a year. I've really just recorded songs here and there and have done little shit and kept doing the podcast, but I've, I've largely been inactive on the music front for yeah. the most part. Um, and I kind of like had to relearn what it was like to be a person and have a job again and shit, which is new. It was, it was nice for a little while, but it was, it's getting old. Yeah. It's getting old. Like it sounds better to me, like playing on Broadway right now mm-hmm. and making money that way than having to, to do what I'm doing. And there's, I'm doing other cool shit besides just like working, you know, I, I got yeah. shit in the works some of it that we've talked about um, that'll be coming up. But it's like the thing I think that really burns me out is just people wanting to um, like the fame thing. You know what I mean? Like the music music business people that are our age that are trying to have careers as well. Mm-hmm. And they're working on music row and shit. And it's just like they're always so not to generalize, but a, a large portion of them are needy and kind of whiny and very entitled about their terms and conditions to to even breathe in the same room as you. And I'm I'm just starting to get fed up with it, dude. I don't want to be nice about it anymore. So the people that are our age that have like industry jobs, yeah, because there's they're a, a bunch of, of fucking cunts. Honestly, there's, <laughs> there are, <laughs> there's a lot of them, dude. Yeah, there's a lot of people our age that have industry jobs when it makes you like high jobs too yeah well uh it's just the more and more experience that i get here i just don't want to be fucking nice to those people anymore yeah i'm i'm personally fucking fed up with it um 
I can't take it anymore, dude. I'm just so tired of uh, feeling used and abused by people. You know, like they hit me up, want to come on the podcast, or I meet them. They seem cool, but it turns out I don't. I don't know. I don't want to talk like massive shit, but it's just more and more frustrating as time goes on, where I really don't want to fuck with it anymore. Like I, I don't know if I would be in Nashville right now if it wasn't for like my family being here and like you friends like you guys being here yeah because yeah. i'm just sick of it man yeah i'm just I would sick say of the bullshit my my experience with uh working with anybody in the quote industry is like industry guy a every decision he's telling you that you should make he also tells you it's not like i like this i don't like this but industry guy b told me that it has to be this way and then you go talk to industry guy b and he says well, I don't like that it's like this. I wish it wasn't like this. But industry guy C told me that this is how it's got to be. And then you go talk to that guy. And once again, he's, oh, well, this is dumb. And I don't think that it should be like this. But this is what industry guy D says. And you find it's just a big chain of fucking pussies sucking each other's balls. <laughs> no one likes it. No, no one in the industry thinks the direction they're going in is actually good or actually cool. They all think, well, this is what the algorithm wants. This is what the industry wants. This is what the kids want. This is what this wants. It's like they don't want the stuff that is – they don't want art that is being created off a to-do list of what the algorithm is requiring to blow up. Those algorithms are are morphing based off of what new dope shit pops off because it's new dope shit. So what happens is like, okay, like Billie Eilish puts out an album where you could argue that – most of the music that she puts out is is very low frequency, very bass driven, very whispery. It's low. The vibe is low on purpose. It's like incognito vibes. Okay, so she puts that out. Now all the industry is like, well, this is what's cool now. This is what everybody wants. No, 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 no. They don't think your music now has to be low frequency and whispers and creepy harmonies. It needs to be genuine the way that her music is genuine. That's what people like about it. They're not specifically focused on like, oh, well, she did A, B, and C, so if you do A, B, and C, you'll be popular. And I feel like most of the industry, whenever something pops off, it's a bunch of pussies not actually doing stuff. They're just writing books about people that are successful, how they think that that person did it, and how you can do what that person did to allegedly become a successful, but it's like, That person didn't get there by a step-by-step process following some formula. They created a new formula. And I just feel like most of the industry people that I talk to are so focused on following the format, following the formula, following the thing that the numbers said, the statistics said to do, and they're not following the thing that created the statistic in the first place. The the more ethereal part of it. The actual source of where the shit's coming from in the first place. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that everyone has and everyone's is different. So it's like, if, if you tap into your little superpower, it's going to blow up and then some dipshit in a suit is going to be like, well, this is what's hot now. This is what everyone needs to do. And then I'm going to come out with my genuine product and that's going to be dope. And then people are going to say, well, now it has to be like this. Let's copy off of this guy because that's the market now. So. I feel like there are industry people that, that recognize that and that know, like, oh, no, people like what's genuine. People like real stuff. Especially now, I think people are really seeing through the TikTok thing and they're really seeing through all the trends. 
Uh, I think it is kind of a phase that is slowly fading out. Um, but yeah, I would say overall, it just seems like one guy's pleasing his boss who doesn't want to do any of the things that he needs to do to please his boss, but he thinks his boss wants it. And then you find out his boss is doing the exact same thing for his boss. Who's doing the exact same thing for his boss? It's corporate America. And they Man. all they all think it's a bad idea, but they're doing it because the next guy up told them that it was a good idea. But he doesn't actually think it's a good idea either. You know what right. I mean? So it's this big chain of people with money lying to themselves and then making us abide by their decision it's just pathetic bullshit. No, it's just like what you said it's corporate they're, they're just spineless yeah, it's I just mean, corp- it's a giant corporation with billions of dollars yeah well it's it's also they don't they, i mean the music industry has never been big on risk but they used to be a lot bigger on risk because now like it's just shrunk the game has changed mm-hmm. it's just the way it is it's not bad or good it's just how it is it's different it's just different. But what's interesting is when you get up close to these people that have the power and you, you talk about these things, they're not jazzed about fucking TikTok, dude. Like, they're not, like, any industry person isn't like, oh my God, Spotify is amazing. They're they're kind of pissed that the, the modern music world has shifted into this thing that's really hard to make money off of for some people. But they're just like, well, this is the way that it is now. And I think everyone is so quick to adapt because they want to succeed that there's no time because we're all scrounging to survive. There's no time for anybody with power to sit and be like, wait, this sucks and no one likes it. How do we create a a more organic and genuine way to go about this? Um, But I don't think anyone really, when you dive into any of these people we're talking about and you look at their individual daily lives, do any of these people even have the time to be self-aware enough to realize the things that we're saying? Or are these motherfuckers just showing up to work, clocking in, and doing their job, and that's just how the cookie crumbles? I think I think it's the second one, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's... They're still pussies. Yeah, they're still... Yeah, absolutely, 100%. But I think, too, a lot of those people were people who have a dream to be an artist yeah. versus be... And somewhere along the way, they, they quit. They give up. Yeah. Which... Maybe not even saying quitting or giving up is is the the right term. Didn't work out. It didn't work out. Maybe they started having kids, life circumstances, whatever. I can't fault anybody for that shit. But I feel like in a weird backhanded way, they take it out on artists. I feel like people like us are seen as peasants by them. They look down on yeah, us. There's some people, for sure. I've, I feel like I've had some relationships with, you could say, industry people where... They're very friendly. You know what I mean? They're very friendly and like genuine. You yeah. know what I mean? But it, I, that doesn't mean that everyone is, though, for sure. Yeah. Especially someone you don't know going into it. You know what I mean? I think that the more experienced a person is, um, the more faith that you will typically see them have because they've seen that it is possible to do the impossible. Uh, but you're right. It's it, those who can't do teach and and I know that because I used to be a teacher and uh I think a lot of these industry people are well I didn't make it doing weird music so weird music must not sell it couldn't have been my fault weird music just must not be the cool thing because my weird music didn't take off so you can't make weird music because it won't work and that's how they think because they've never been that successful whereas if you're going to work with somebody who does have experience with success they're going to have a higher ceiling saying, you know, 
try it because it can work. Uh, and I, I think it's pretty common to find people who have done less and less typically be more vocal about limitations and ceilings because they don't, they've never experienced what it's like to, to wear the ring. You know what I mean? The ring of power. Yeah. And I think a lot of industry people, I mean, most people in the music industry can at least fucking play a G chord on a guitar. Yeah. You know what I mean? They've all tried it at Maybe. some point. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I don't think all of them are. I know that there's plenty of people that work in there that can't play a single fucking instrument. Um, but overall, I would agree. I do feel like a lot of it is they tried and, and whatever didn't work out for them, they have convinced themselves that this could never work out for anybody because it didn't work out for me. Well, I feel like for people like us too, like the working class musicians, we don't really have any other fucking option either. Right. You know what I mean? Like this, this is the life we've dedicated ourselves to. And there's no real going back at this point. Not that I'd even want to, right. but it's like the further and further you get, we're, we're in like the, you know, in fucking Lord of the Rings where they go into that swamp and there's all those dead people and golems like, don't look at them. Do you right. remember that? Right, right. I feel like that's where we are right now. Uh, yeah, man. Like we're not, we're way far away from the Shire. We can see Mordor in the distance, but we haven't gotten there yet. Right, and I'm already kind of getting to the point where I'm starting to feel like the more self-aware that I am and the more nitpicky I am with the little things, that the more that's going to hold me back with industry people because the, their process is so... They have so much at their disposal that it's like if you provide any resistance at all, they have 10 people to replace you immediately. Um, so I think that there's almost like a blessing of ignorance when you're working in a in like a label situation where you're a yes man and you'll just hold your instrument and do whatever you're told. Whereas I feel like being more of a visionary and having more of like a clear almost ego in your music of like, I want it to be this way. At that point, that's when, you know, the industry people can't really mold you in the way that they think that their algorithm is set to do it. Um, and I, I just feel like the farther that you get, at least to a certain degree, before you've basically bought your freedom, uh, it seems like there's more and more people telling you what has to be and the way things have to be done. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not far enough. Does it like what kind of relationships would you guys say that you have with music now? Because again, speaking from my own experience, I go through phases where I. Uh, I kind of fall out of love with music and I just get kind of burned out and uh, and jaded on everything. I feel like uh, the type of music that I listen to always change. I will get jaded on like, I, I would like go, you know, through a phase where I'm listening to nothing but like classic rock, like Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, Cream, whatever. And then go for a whole other like couple months of just listening to like pop music but with playing with on broadway as far as actually like playing there's been times where i've told myself hey you have a gig later don't don't pick up the guitar even though you want to you know what i mean just so yeah. just save a little energy <laughs> yeah, i feel that i actually don't listen to music that's weird i check music out i'll check out new stuff and if i really I mean... like it i'll show i'll show other people but like if i'm driving uh, typically there's no music. If I'm chilling, there's typically no music. I, I feel like music is just so prominent in my everyday life 
that the the desire to have music playing in the background does no longer exist for me as of right now. <laughs> Do you think it'll come back? Well, it hasn't always been this way. I mean, there were there was a long time I can remember where every time I got in the car, I'd have to pick like the album that I'm going to listen to. You have and your I, laptop, dude. Yeah, and, in and the car. Yeah, yeah. I would I would literally open my laptop up in the in the passenger seat because my car didn't have an aux cord, and I would just listen to a couple of different albums. And I, <laughs> I I got into like a couple of new musical phases, and I've just noticed that in the last year. People are like, what kind of music do you listen to? And I'm like, fuck, I, I don't. I just don't at all. Yeah, it goes it goes through phases and cycles. I think right now I'm I'm starting to get excited to even play again, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't really felt that way in a long time. Because um, it can just... It got to like the end there where I was, where I was just so... Uh, just not not it wasn't that I wasn't having fun when I was on stage and playing, but I was doing so much that I just felt weighed down all the time. Yeah, like I was even though I would get to wherever I was going, whether it was a gig, rehearsal, whatever, and feel like fuck, like I don't know, I really don't want to go do this right now. Mm-hmm. Like I would be in my car, being like, I just want to chill at home tonight. All right, mm-hmm. and I, I and it was honestly part a lot of it was my fault because I would just like overcommit myself right wasn't the fact that i didn't like saying no to people because i i feel like i don't have any trouble with that but what what it was it's like if opportunities are coming at me i don't ever want to say no because it might stop and and truthfully it kind of it kind of did once i was just like i'm kind of removing myself from everything i mean the phone stopped ringing because i put out the word stop calling me dude it's like uh, when you're starting a fire and you have like a little bit of spark yeah and then you're like blowing on it to try you're just like you quit blow it yeah you know what i mean yeah and now now i'm like hoping that fucking lightning strikes down right well that's kind of i mean that's where we're at we've been on broadway for the last year and we just had possum stock in september and that's all we've done so at this point there's times where it feels like we don't even exist in Nashville anymore because there's so many new bands always popping up. Everyone's doing cool shit that it's just like if you disappear for a week, I mean, it's not going to be it's long. It's like you don't before, exist. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude. It's like everyone else is going to keep going and, and new relevant things are going to happen. And it's like no one's really going to ask like, hey, where'd they go? I mean, a couple people will, you know, the, the loyal followers or whatever. But there's just so much stimulation going on around here that. It has definitely felt like we we're almost ghosts. You know what I mean? It's it makes me wonder what's it gonna be like when we come back. Uh, are we gonna are we gonna start all over? Are 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 is everyone from our past gonna be waiting on us? And as soon as we come back, it's just explosion. Or are we gonna have to be a brand new band all over again? No, you won't have to be a brand new band. What I think it's like without of like. Out of sight, out of mind with a lot of people. I mean, that's the way it it, it is for for all of us. Even you, right. you can say like we can we can think of a million name a name between each of us. We could probably name fifteen or twenty people that we've known who moved to Nashville, if oh, not more, sorry. that like moved here around the same time as each of us, yeah. and that are already g- gone. You know. Oh yeah. So it's very transient too. It's like I think that's part of the reason why we have like the tight knit friend group that we have is because we've fucking survived dude right yeah 
Well, we all, yeah, a lot, a lot of us all kind of met uh, around the time when we first got here. And it is cool. It's weird, like, like Scotty Chapman, dude. Like, I remember the day that I met him. And it did feel like this is going to be, like, a thing because her, him and I both went to the same college, unknowingly. we Not at the same time, but we had the same professors, same mutual peers, and we met and ended up joining the same band. And it's like, I still talk to him at least once a week. And yeah. it's been, at this point, six years. And now, at first, he was just, like, one of my new Nashville buddies. And now it's like, I think of that guy as more of OG a, a homie. brother. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's my family more than dudes I fucking grew up with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's that's honestly probably the one thing. One of the things that I really value about Nashville is is the friendship that oh, all of absolutely. us have. Like, our, yeah. our crew in general, like, the, the whole extended... Uh, you know, fam, because there's you guys, there's Danny, of course, Danny Shaw Rometta from Eat Sleep Rock Nashville, um, the Weird Sisters, uh, yeah. Scotty, Garden of Eden. Um, it's like we also kind of keep up with each other and run with each other. Uh, right. And I, if you really, what I what I like the most, and I try to always be conscious of it, is if you if you could pick out like you know the Reveal, the Garden of Eden, and Hippies and Cowboys, those three bands. If you really were able to somehow get like a zoom in of their musical journey, none of those three bands would be where they are at now if it wasn't for the other bands in the the roster. Like all three of us at some point held our hands out for the other one to step over the wall. Like at some point, whether it was big or small, all three of those bands have helped each other get some form of opportunity where they are bigger now because we are friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, could they have done it without us? Yeah, probably in a different way. You know what I mean? We probably all could have survived and adapted in a different way. But the way the cookie crumbled, the chain of events and all the the catalyst is like me, Aaron, and Scotty have all literally gone back and forth from like going off by ourselves and then – somehow finding a way to be like oh call this dude or or hit up this connection or hey we can't play this show do you want this show and then you find out you know they met a new photographer or they met like whatever you know what i mean we're all introducing each other to these new opportunities and year years and years later it's just like you can look back and be like dude look how much we've really done for each other who would we be without each other you know what i mean absolutely mm-hmm. Dustin, why are you Soldier Boy? Oh, man. The Boys is uh, one of my favorite TV shows. And you, you claim to be Soldier Boy, and I'm I, I want to know why. I'm just saying out of everybody, I, just, I, I, like how, I like how firm but chill he is. He's, he's not really an asshole, but he's got asshole vibes. Uh, it's like everyone it, it takes him seriously, but they don't. He's kind of a joke, but he but not he's as kind big of a of, badass. He's not as big of a joke as the deep, though. Right, right. He's nobody respects he's, the deep. He's respected, but there's something humorous. Um, but he he seems like the type of guy who's just straightforward, gets his hands dirty. Uh, I really like how about the mission he is. Uh. He's very like feelings free. Doesn't care about your feelings. I got. I like that. I actually do care about people's feelings too much. 
Mm. But I, I dig. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's questionable. I dig. Uh, it depends on, on what it is yeah. and what kind of mood you right. catch, Dustin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> He's just one of my top characters, I would say. Yeah, well, we watched pretty much all of the boys together because uh, you got, you and Danny were watching it. Yep. And I would come out on my breaks and I'd be like, this is pretty cool. And then eventually you guys finished it. And I was like, I kind of want to watch it. And then yeah. we, you guys rewatched it with me a second time. Through yeah. The whole and I show. had already watched the whole thing before all that. Yeah. So watching it with you was the, was the third time <laughs> I've seen it. He was just trying to stay warm. It was winter. Yeah. yeah. It was a good time. I did stay warm. Well, it's, it's interesting too. Cause the show starts out and you just think uh Homelander is such a fucking evil dick which he, he is but you start to understand why he is yeah yeah absolutely love shows like that dude i've only seen like three episodes it's pretty good yeah it's a, i, I, I it recommend so it dude i've, lo- I've uh, loved dustin so will watch it with you <laughs> yeah yeah i have a, i have a soft spot for characters that are um they're perceived as evil but when you get uh to see the character up close it's like whoa did you even have a choice other than to be a fucking asshole piece of shit? Like, it looks like life just handed you the cards and you dealt with them the best you could. And now the author is making you the villain. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I think like the Joker movie is a classic example of that. Another one is like, uh, if you look at Star Wars, Anakin Skywalker is the uh, the chosen one. And then spoiler alert. Uh, he looks like he joins the dark side. He becomes Darth Vader. At the end of the story, though, who is it that throws Palpatine off the ledge and takes the dark side down? It's still Anakin. Uh, now we see Darth Vader is like this villainous character, but who else could have defeated Palpatine? I know this is such a nerdy conversation, but who else could have defeated Palpatine? But and, Darth Vader. And could have could Anakin have defeated Palpatine without first joining him and earning his closeness and respect? You know what I'm saying? So it's like technically the villain was actually a hero, but the way that the author illustrates it is like, well, he's technically the villain of the story. But is he? You know what I mean? I feel the same way about Killmonger from uh, Black Panther. I think he had a good strategy. It was a little chaotic, a little fucked up. But if you really looked at it, it's like, you know what? He is doing what he believes is right, and he's really getting after it. And I thought that that was a really cool villain character. That's like, is this guy really a villain, or is he just going straight for the source of what he thinks the problem is? You know, And I don't necessarily agree with his methods, but it was just like, this guy really wants it. Is he that bad? Is he actually evil? Or is he just such a go-getter that it's hard to understand his his passion and his motive? I love characters like that. Star Wars was really my first love before music. Before Star I started, Star Wars is dope. My dad saw Star Wars when it first came out. He said nothing like that had ever existed, and immediately upon after watching it, he went into the the parking lot and just projectile vomited. He said his brain just couldn't. That's pretty com- cool. Comprehend. How fucking crazy. This sounds exactly like someone who is your father. What they would say (laughs) about Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. He fucking, he loved it, dude. But at the time, nothing like that existed. So I can kind of understand. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely groundbreaking. I think like now, 
once they did the uh, the sequel trilogy, I think they were just releasing like too much Star Wars stuff. But they've yeah. done the TV shows, and the TV shows are pretty good. I love The Mandalorian. The season three comes out in March, mm. so I'm pretty stoked for that. Have you seen The Mandalorian yet, Dustin? Dude, I've seen the main nine movies. When I was a kid, I watched the uh, the Clone Wars cartoon. I forget most of it, but I I am familiar with the the plot of of the main nine core Star Wars movies. Dude, that I just is the, watched all of those too. Yeah, the the next show we have to fucking watch is The Mandalorian. What color lightsaber would you have if you were a character? Uh. <sighs> That's a good question, honestly. Fuck yeah, it is. I don't know. Josh I, would pick magenta. Magenta mm, is that it, was my pick. Yeah. Like, I've asked is that light light side or dark side though, dude? Honestly, the answer is however wild your imagination wants to get, because no one the lightsabers aren't real. So yeah, um, I've heard a lot of really good answers. I I ask this to most people that I I meet. I want to say. Honestly, dude, I I think I would rock just the blue classic. That's dope. I'm a Fender P bass man, dude. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dude, the Jedi cl- you can't. Yeah, the classic blue is is pretty sweet. What would yeah. you What would you get, Dustin? Dude, I would go classic blue, but I would I would hide a red one, and I would have both, and I would fight with both. I would be I would be the most evil Jedi, and I would be the most good hearted Sith. Well, you know what the process is for um, to getting into nerd talk. How the the sabers the, the they turn red, right? Yeah. What is it? Oh no! I so that's the thing. So the saber doesn't start off red; it becomes red. You have to. You yeah. So there's the kyber crystals in the lightsaber. Okay. And they they have this process called bleeding, um, bleeding the the kyber crystal, and it turns it red. It turns it basically how the owner feels inside so mine would yeah, probably be exactly. a rainbow mine would be a rainbow because <laughs> you know how i feel inside <laughs> <laughs> well hey you know what i'm gonna say that is the the perfect place to, to end that <laughs> where uh where can you guys be found at uh the reveal music the internet yeah on instagram uh tiktok youtube uh all that bullshit you can find me at the underscore north underscore pole on all the socials i'm brother dusty wherever and the new ep down south yeah check it out by the reveal now streaming everywhere go check it out keep on dreaming see you next week
so good If I could put a ring on it, baby, I would You got me in a trance Let's dance, got me thinking romance First glance, take a chance, I'm going in Looking through my head, thinking how should I be in Going for the win Hey, 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 buddy, come on, hey, buddy, come on. It'd be pretty sick, dude. It'd be a good song.